Well, praise the Lord. I always want to start out with the Word of God because it's powerful. What do I have to say? What does my own opinion mean? Not a whole lot. But I say to you, therefore, as we have been raised up with Christ, let us keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let us set our minds on the things of God, the things above, and not the things here on earth. For we have died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. And since Christ is our life, he will be revealed. And so we will be revealed with him in glory. Allow the magnitude of that truth to be placed in the forefront of your soul so that you will continue to be equipped for the journeys of life that are placed before you. Why? Because we belong to God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So what should we do? Continue in the things of what we have learned to become convinced of and knowing from whom we have learned them and that from childhood we have known the sacred writings which are able to give us the wisdom which leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to give all of you a chance to get a little head start because we have a lot of reading to do today. So turn, open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. It's a very familiar story. And in this, today is not going to be your typical sermon that you usually hear on a Sunday morning. It will be a blend of a testimony of which I have experienced, blended in with the sermon of what the Lord has placed upon my heart. And as you heard what Brother Tim said, that life is a battle. We're on a battlefield of life. And we're going to see what this chapter in Joshua, chapter 6, has to say. My name is Jerome Hebert. I am filling in for Pastor Nathan Detweiler, who is the senior pastor here at New Life. He's on sabbatical. Today's my turn to fill in for him. Let's pray, because I really want the Holy Spirit to show up in a very powerful way today. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you again for the opportunity for, to share the Word of God. And you know how each one of us are made. And that we would allow the level of our submission, our yielding to your Holy Spirit, to be always on the increase and to see you at work. And that we would always be ready for the transformation of what you have for us. Only an obedient heart is that you require, and that we do. And Lord Father, this battle of life that we are on, we're thankful, Father, that you are the silent listener and hearing every request of what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the book, Joshua, chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men of, your, of war, circling the city once. 
you shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with, that, with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the Ark, while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua com commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth. Until the day I tell you, shout, then you shall shout. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua, ro Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, and went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus, the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Then it came about on the seventh day that they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. And it came about at the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the priest, to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city shall be under the ban, and it, it under the ban, it and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban, lest you covet them and take them some of the things under the ban. So you would make the camp of Israel a curse and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and priests blew the trumpets, and it came about when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep, donkey with the edge of the sword. And Joshua said to the two men, who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there, as you have sworn to her. 
So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had, Joshua spared. And she had lived in the midst of Israel to this day. But she hid the mess for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua made them take an oath at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. The tools of a tradesman is his prized possession. And on a construction site, they are guarded very highly. There's nothing more frustrating to a tradesman after he's placed a great deal of investments in tools that sometimes tools mysteriously come up missing. And it's not only one tradesman. It's several tradesmen that experience this because someone on the job site has sticky fingers. And when this takes place after a certain length of time, the carpenters or the tradesmen, they realize, okay, they have a strong hunch who it is. And now the warning takes place among the tradesmen, look out for this guy. Now, I can only speak for myself, okay? It was an irritation to me when this tradesman supposedly had the sticky fingers, would come in my area, and I always had to keep my eyes on him, wondering if my tools are going to be mysteriously vanishing. Sometimes there's just someone who has sticky fingers, and they see, you see a tool that they don't have in their toolbox, and yours comes up missing. No matter where we go, there's always someone with sticky fingers. It's not a perfect environment. But the problem that I had was I got, I got to the point that I was hesitant to loan tools out, but when I did, my tools would not be returned in a timely fashion. I would always have to chase that tradesman down at the end of the day. Hey, that tool I loaned to you, do you have it? Oh, yes, yeah, right here in my toolbox wondering if he's the one that had the sticky fingers. We don't know. It doesn't matter to me. But what was, prob what was happening within my soul was that the tools were beginning to possess me. I had an attitude within myself which wasn't pleasing to the Lord. I was becoming more selfish. I, didn't, I wouldn't even let friends borrow my tools. The next question, if someone asked, well, what are you going to do with it? Well, it's an obvious tool. If it's a pry bar, you're going to pry. <laughs> what damage can it, can it do to the bar? Well, nothing. But it's, will I get it back in a reasonable fashion of time? So I was coveting my tools to a degree <laughs> that was not pleasing to the Lord because I was not allowing anyone else 
to make use of my tools, to be blessed by my tools. And it comes through a, an attitude of perfectionism, which I'm still wrestling with. And so now, the perfection and the covetousness that lies within my soul, ugh, I don't like it. And I know it's not pleasing to the Lord. So knowing that, it's, that, that I'm acknowledging that, that's a very important point. Now, through my career, I've done construction industry for approximately 20 years, and then I decided to change my career to the maintenance mechanic field. And it was a place of employment where I would go into the same place every day, punch in, and go to work. But I always had the habit of arriving to work 15, 20 minutes earlier just to get geared up for the day and, you know, any repairs that may need to take place on the machinery that's out in the plant. It just so happens one morning that two employees at two different times before I start work frantically comes into the maintenance shop and they say, Jerome, my equipment is down. We got to get back up and running. Why well, irritatedly acknowledge them? I said, because I'm not on the clock yet, okay? I said, I'll get to it when I'm on the clock. Well, they left in a more frustrated manner. A few moments later, the third employee comes in. Cool, calm, collective manner, opens the door, he comes in, he said, Jerome, I'm in need of two C-clamps. Oh, mercy me. This, he's infringing on a territory of where I'm struggling. I visualize my eight heavy-duty C-clamps neatly placed in my cabinet along with my other tools, and I have to surrender two C-clamps. I had to do that. Why? Because it's the company policy. You have to do whatever it takes to make the plant run. I hand them to them. I had sticky fingers. <laughs> I wouldn't let go. I said, but there you go. He infringed on the territory that the right button was pushed. The door closed, and I verbally, derogatorily made comments about that individual. Out loud, I blew it. There were two maintenance mechanics sitting at the table, heard every word I said. The walls of Jericho came up, the roles reversed, I'm no longer running laps. And you know what the title of my message today is? Snared or running laps? I'm no longer running laps. I'm stuck. Those two maintenance mechanics heard me. I'm done. Lord, I've just, prof I just profaned your character. I blew it. Where were, the th where were the three principles of silence of which I shared in the last message, which was the audible silence, the silencing the demonic forces of darkness, and being aware of being silent? I exercised none of those at all. I didn't heed to the word of what Joshua said. Don't say a word until I say so. Did I wait for Joshua? Nope. I just shot my mouth off. I'm in trouble. I've been snared by the words of my mouth. I've been caught by the words of my mouth. You can only visualize what's going through the mind of those two maintenance mechanics. Not nice guys either. They were rough around the edges, and they took advantage of everything they could in order to make them feel better by criticizing others. And I've heard it time and time again from them. My turn. By this time, I'm realizing I'm out on the floor repairing the equipment of what those two employees asked me to take care of. My mind was only half 
I'm repairing, and there's an inside battle that's taking place within my mind. Lord, forgive me. I messed up. I need you to come to my rescue. And the words that were coming to my mind was in Psalm chapter 31, verse 1. It says, In thee, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be thou to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. For you are the one who will pull me out of the net in which, he has, in which the enemy has secretly laid for me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I have to commit my spirit. I must commit my spirit to him because he's the one who's ransomed me. Those are the only words that I can trust, that I can hang on to. I was stuck. The mockers now, they're looking out of the walls of Jericho. Gotcha! It gives you an idea of what David felt like when in Psalm 3, Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Oh, but listen to what David continues to say in Psalm 3. He said, oh, but thou, O Lord, you are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. I cry out unto the Lord with my voice, and he hears me out of his holy hill. With those words, what is he able to do? I am able to sleep. I rise, for you are with me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten my enemy upon the cheekbone, and you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and his blessing is upon his people. Where's the focus? It's on the word. Where's the focus? On the presence of God. We dare not, we dare not go down the avenue of defeat and shame but we need to choose the avenue with victory to proclaim, to have the fame, the same fame that Joshua had. Why? Because of who he knows. Because of who we know also. Is there sometimes in your life that the walls of Jericho kind of come up and surround you and like there seems to be no way out? Do you notice in the text today, in regards to the king and the valiant warriors, there's no way in and no way out. That was a done deal. You can only imagine what was taking place. But you see, the Israelites had a reputation because they knew the God of who can conquer and go before them and who can tumble the walls down. Sometimes when the walls of our Jericho rise up, it's similar to like a snare, the survivalist wire snare that is the emergency instrument that is used to place in the path of an animal and to capture the animal. And when that animal enters that snare, gets caught, the more it pulls, the tighter it gets, and the snare does its job. In my case, my snare 
two frantic employees coming in. The third one, cool, calm, and collective. The button was pushed only because of my obsession and covetousness of tools. Completely caught off guard. But not only that, I knew the, I knew the obsession. I know it's not pleasing to the Lord. But the walls seem to continue to stand. Ooh. Is there, is there a way out? Lord, can you give me a way out like you did with Rahab and the harlot and her family members? In their case, the king of the valiant warriors, it was shut in and shut up tight. No entry, no exit. We all desire an exit, though. But sometimes we can't find that exit. We know the exit. But sometimes it may be difficult to get there because in a relationship, there might be the snare of unforgiveness, regret, a grudge, rationalizing our sin. Well, it's not my fault that there's tension in the relationship here. It's your fault. <sighs> ooh, 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 ooh. Not good. Are there walls of Jericho within your soul that, what do I do now? The more that we pull on that snare with our own strength and those sins of unforgiveness, retaliation, revenge, it begins to choke the truth of God's word out, and it doesn't leave the impact on our lives as we would like it to, because ourselves get in the way. The snare, and we get snared by different ways. Our response to someone, and we have to face the mockers. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that set themselves against me. Let that not only be words, but that, that heart of man, our own hearts. Lord, let not these only be words, but you are the only one that can give me that courage to stand fast. Do you know what the problem was with the king and the valiant warriors? They had no guidance. But the Israelites did because of Joshua being the messenger, the one who was to carry the responsibility and to lead the Israelites. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 14, it says this. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. Allow me to revise that. Where the kings and the valiants, valiant warriors are, they refuse to really take heed to the counsel of what it says in here and of who the Israelites knew. Allow me to rephrase that or revise that again. Where there is no moral law, the people fall. But now listen to this. But in the presence of the master counselor, 
there is victory. You see? But now I will recite for you what it says in the NASB, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. The abundance of counselors. You know what that means? The body of Christ joining together in thought, seeking godly wisdom, giving their input, not their opinions, but of with the enlightenment that the Lord gives to us so that we can share and glean from one another. Why? So that we can have the victory of what God wants us to have. But there is something about the Word of God that the more that we dwell, ponder, meditate on it, our walls of Jericho begin to lower. Some of us may choose to have them standing up longer than others, and maybe because you're stuck. I don't know what to do. And it is best to be still and know who is God. Know that he is God because he's the one that's going to be exalted among the nations, in the world, in our lives. That's who wants the credit, the Lord. And the more I journey through life, and I'm sure you do too, God's power does come through the weakness. Submission. Yielding. Where's the door? Where's the door in our walls of Jericho that we build up? It's in there somewhere. But in the meantime, sometimes we're not experiencing the peace that we would like to. And peace is the condition of the soul only granted by the Holy Spirit. There is no other place for peace except from the Holy Spirit. The snare is the position of the soul by some of the choices we make. Huge difference. And this is where I made a bad move. I chose to verbally, derogatorily towards that individual. How do I get out? Well, there's two things that can happen. We can walk out, or the Lord will just allow the walls to tumble down. We don't want our walls to tumble down on top of us and say, oh, now there is no way out. That's the lie that the adversary would want you to believe. There's always a way out. But there may be some hardship that you may experience if it is not taken care of soon enough. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 9, it, Jesus said, I am the door. Okay, what I like to do, I like to draw word pictures in your mind. You got your wall of Jericho around you. Jesus said, I am the door. You say, there's a way out. I'm getting out of here. Oh, but there are some principles that need to be applied. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, will be saved, and he will go in and out of pasture and find pasture. You know what that means? We are given the authority to come and go as we please any time we want. We have the authority to walk into the walls of Jericho and the king 
and the valiant warriors. They're the ones that need to hear the truth of what we have. The world, this, this dimension of darkness, which I referred to Earth as, there's a wall of Jericho. We are all inside a wall of Jericho. They need to hear of what we have, who we know, of what we have been convinced, knowing who he is. Are we going to have our own wall of Jericho and our own personal space to hinder us from going out of it, seeking out of it? Sometimes if we can't, at least you can still run your laps within your wall of Jericho because sometimes those trials and tribulations or obsessions or strongholds, they need to be still. And at the right time, the Lord will provide a way of escape. You see? But you know what? The Lord's not done with us. Not at all. This is what the beauty of the Lord is. His grace, his ever-loving kindness never fails. Full of compassion, sympathy, and it's all there for the taking. It's inside the wall, and it's also outside the wall. Awesome God, isn't he? It blows my mind. That's a, wow. So, my time has come. In the manufacturing plant, my repairs are done. And as you know, I have been snared with the words of my mouth, have been caught by the words of my mouth. There's instructions on how to get out of my situation. In some situations, your situations within your walls of Jericho might be a little different. But I opened my big mouth, and I allowed vile to come out of my mouth towards this individual. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 2. Solomon writes, If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, you have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Deliver yourself? Whenever I come across that verse of Scripture, I always visualize the Lord sitting in his recliner, and I say to the Lord, me deliver myself? Well, of course, I have given you the authority to do that. It's your move. I'm the one who's consistently faithful. You're not. I know. And the Lord says, what are you waiting for? Well, really nothing. Obedience is required. So since I have come into the hand of my neighbor, go humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Oh, Jerome, make your move now. Repairs are complete. Bring all my tools inside the tool chest. Rush him down to the maintenance shop. I go searching for this individual. And I say to him, I badmouth you behind your back. I messed up. I said, it really aggravates me when you come in and you make use of tools and you don't return them. It's just a it's just a problem I have. I'm sorry. You know what he said? Jerome, don't worry about it. Things can get pretty hectic. I know your character. I know you're sincere. He and I 
always had a good attitude towards one another, had a respect. But because of my coveting of my tools and my possession of tools, and my, or my tools possessing me, it got the best of me. Solomon continues to write in Proverbs chapter 6. He says, do not give sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. In other words, don't even think about going to bed that night. Take care of it fast. Why? Because in the next verse it says, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Do you know why Solomon uses the gazelle? I did a search on this. I said, it sure makes sense. Did you know that the gazelle is the second fastest antelope on earth? They can run 60 miles an hour. You know who their primary hunter is? The cheetah. The cheetah is the fastest land animal, as we all know. They can reach up to speeds up to 75 miles an hour. Did you know that the cheetah is only successful 20% of the time? 20%. You know what that means? We take care of it quick. The walls come down quickly, and no one can mock you against you at all. You know, and ever since I apologized to that employee, I never heard a word again. But suppose that employee did. Suppose these two mockers came up to this individual and said, you wouldn't believe what Jerome just said about you. It won't hold water now because I've covered my steps. I, apply, I applied God's word. It's a good thing I knew this. Never heard about the situation again. That's the Lord honoring my request. In thee, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. And I never felt ashamed by the mockers at all. I only felt ashamed and convicted by the Holy Spirit, I lost my peace. I had positioned my soul into a snare. But the Lord delivered me. Wow. In the same place of employment. Never heard of it again. Yeah, sometimes the walls of Jericho and our own personal lives can be quite difficult, but we have a faithful Lord who knows us inside and out. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I'm going to share a, couple, a few thoughts. And if your walls of Jericho are thick with maybe procrastinating in regards to some issues that you might be dealing with, strongholds, whatever it may be, take heart. Because in Psalm 33, verse 13 to 15, it says this. The Lord looks out from the heavens and he sees all the sons of men outside the wall and inside the wall. He looks out from the heavens. He sees all the sons of men. And from his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He, who is the one who fashions our hearts and who understands all our works. You know, the deliverance that I have been, I have experienced from that snare, you have to experience it yourself.
I can share words with you. But boy, I tell you, the more the word comes into play and that we open up our hearts, the Lord just continues to say, see, Jerome, it's all about me. You know, we accidentally build our walls of Jericho. We seem stuck. But be sure not to listen to the adversary. Don't choose the avenue of defeat or shame. We already have the victory. We just have to proclaim, proclaim, and have the fame.